This is Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe, and from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Gary Holt. Joining me in warm Santa Clarita, California, is our co-host, Bobby Jean Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. It is hot, hot, hot. <laughs> well, how how hot is it out in California today? <laughs> that sounds like the lead into a bad joke. when my husband got into the car, you know, for the first time in the day, just, you know, going out to do errands, it, the car registered 134. Of course, oh, man. you know, it'd been sitting in the, in the hot sun, but we definitely are experiencing unusually hot weather for California, but we are going to be talking to a cool performer this morning. And um, so, you know, we can deal with hot as long as there's cool in the in the uh, prediction. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it's going to be a, a lot of fun talking with um, with her. And tell our folks who our, our guest is today. Sure, our guest is uh, Corinne Marie calling in from Colorado, where it is cool. <laughs> all right, I think Colorado is the place to be today. But uh, anyway, it is going to be a lot of fun with her. And um, today in music history, Bobby, this is kind of a new thing that we're doing. Today in music history, June 23rd, 1962, Ray Charles started a 14-week run at number one with his album, Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music. What do you think about that? My goodness. Now that is, that. wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> I've got to yeah. go get that album. <laughs> Yeah, Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music by Ray Charles, and it was number one for 14 weeks on the album 1962. charts. 1962. 1962. And wow. uh, he was just a little ahead of the curve, didn't he? He was. He was. Well, maybe he got the curve. Maybe he got it going. He may have started it. He may have started it. 1973, George Harrison started a five-week run at number one with his album, Living in a Material World. And in 1976, Paul McCartney and Wings played the last show in their tour of Wings Over America. And that last show was held at the Forum in uh, L.A. So kind of an interesting piece of history for an L.A. Uh, girl out there uh, as yeah. well. And then uh, on this date, June 23rd in 1929, June Carter Cash was born. So, oh. yeah, oh, yeah, we miss, we miss, yep. yeah, we, we miss Johnny and June, but anyway, that's, uh, that's this day in history and music history. And we want to remind folks that we couldn't be doing this show without the support of our fine sponsors. Uh, Campfire Cafe is made possible by the sponsors of the general store where you'll find everything for the horse lover and folks that just love the Western and equestrian lifestyle and by our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches for the finest riding destinations in North America. Be sure and check out our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches and also by our equestrian properties. You can find those legacy select horse properties by visiting our website at equestrianlegacy.net. 
So we are going to have a big time today. We're going to head to Colorado in just a few moments and be talking to Karen Corinne Marie when we come back on Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe, heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net. And from that moment, country music quickly became her passion. 
not a far stretch from her roots, country music fit her lifestyle perfectly since she was already passionate about her horses and an avid writer with a love for the Western way of life. After 15 years of continued dedication, her talents as a guitarist, singer, songwriter have won her numerous awards, including the 2010 Texaco Country Showdown Southwest Regional winner and runner-up in the national final. And she did it with her own original Western music. As a singer-songwriter, she strives to create her own refreshing sound that appeals to the lovers of traditional Western music, as well as those new to the genre. She is a very diverse artist that can include a wide variety of music in her live shows, including Western, New Country, Bluegrass, Classic Country, and Folk. Her original songs and fresh arrangements of the classics feature crystal clear, smooth vocals, pure yodeling, and superb musicianship. According to True West Magazine, her favorite Western film is True Grit, and the best book she ever read is Songwriting, A Complete Guide to the Craft. Hailing from the great state of Colorado, please welcome Corinne Marie. Good morning, Corinne. Oh, hey. Good morning. Good Thank to have you, you with us. I hope you all are doing well. Yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, we're surviving the heat. I kind of envious of you being out in Colorado today. What'd you say the temperatures were? Oh, I think we're about seventy-five today with a nice breeze, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado and no excessive Col- heat. Colorado would be the place to be today. It would be the place to be. Hey, we're going to have a lot of fun sharing a lot of your music today and finding out more about you and sharing with the audience. You know, it's been, uh, I look back and it's been, I think, 2014 since you were on the show with us the last time. And uh, time gets away. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were just talking about the Texaco Country Showdown, trying to remember when that was. And, And, of course, Bobby had that for us. That was 2010. Um, we'll want to talk about that experience a little bit, but before we do, uh, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, uh, uh, your music beginning and, uh, a little bit about your family. Okay. Um, well, we, my brothers and I were all born in Eagle, Colorado, when we moved to Buena Vista 20 years ago. So this is where we were, um, raised and kind of love life. Growing up here, my parents were pretty great, and I think they picked a fabulous location. And so that kind of opened the door for my brothers and I to pursue different passions. And um, my parents bought a couple horses for me when I was six. And so being homeschooled, I did my schooling in the morning and then rode the rest of the afternoon. And pretty soon my brothers and I found a love for music, and we kind of started balancing that out with other our other activities and uh, pretty soon started a little band and hit the road playing music. Well, that is pretty cool. Now, is, are any other members of your family musical? Your mom and dad? You know, my mom is a fine artist, so she sculpts and paints and does some pretty incredible pottery. But And my dad is a land surveyor, so we're not really sure where this music gene came from. But it was kind of well, a nice surprise, as my parents will say. 
yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it just skips a generation. So um, <laughs> I did in mine. You know, I had a grandfather that could play anything by ear, and uh, uh, and then it skipped to another generation. So and now another generation has been skipped. I've got a granddaughter that's trying to play a lot of musical instruments and and having fun with that. So I'm I'm that's glad. Great. That, it's a fun. Yeah. It's a fun thing to yeah. learn how to do. My brothers and I all learned to play by ear as well. So. You can do that. There's no no end, you know? That's right. That is right. Well, we uh, uh, talked to us a little bit about uh, you and your brothers had a group called the Pony Express. How did how did that come to be? Well, um, when I was nine, uh, it was mentioned that Michael Martin Murphy is a very good friend of mine. Um, he kind of inspired me to get into Western music, and so I started singing with him and singing with his band and after a while I decided that I needed to learn to play an instrument so I could sing on my own and um, learn to play the guitar and shortly thereafter my older brother decided that it looked like fun and he thought I needed some backup so he picked up the mandolin and my younger brother kind of got roped into playing the bass and he was traveling with us anyways and (laughs) he learned to play and sing a little bit with us and so we just kind of started learning songs and people were kind enough to give us an opportunity to play. Well, that is, that is pretty cool. Now your, your, was your first CD, the, um, life love legend CD? No, the first CD we ever released was called by request. And I would have been 12 at the time. Oh, and wow. it's mostly a yodeling album. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's different. It's kind of fun. It's, it was just when we were beginning. So I'm pretty sure every song was in the key of D and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yodeled away, but it was fun. And then we released an album called Rides Again, and followed by Old Log Barn, Follow the Trail, and then Life Love Legends was actually the last album we did as a group. All right. Well, we're, there's a song that I really love off this. You you did a great job with it, this one called Echoes of the Trail. And uh, let's take a listen to that and come back and talk more with Corinne Marie when we return on the Campfire Cafe. No. 
Echoes of the Trail, Corinne Marie, and that is from the CD Life, Love, Legends. And um, Corinne, how old were you when you met Michael? I met Michael when I was nine. So I would have been way too long ago, but it was right here in (laughs) Una Vista. He had a singing cowboy ranch in Nathrop, Colorado. And we also had an old theater here in town that and Michael's rolling the um historical restoration and wanted to put in a western library and our uh-huh. theater was kind of a candidate for this library and so my mom was on the board um for the theater and so he played a little after concert after one of their meetings and my mom quickly called my dad to have him bring us in, you know, how many opportunities do you get to sit at the feet of Michael Martin Murphy? <laughs> right. <laughs> to him right. play and so we they dropped us off and Michael was just so kind and started talking to me and I told him that I was a, a singer and he told me to learn to sing Cowboy Sweetheart and if I did I could come sing with him at his guest ranch so being the nine-year-old that I was I went and found the song and went out there the next week went up and introduced <laughs> myself to him and I don't know it's the funniest thing I don't I have no idea how I got past security how I got backstage or what but <laughs> My parents said we we got to the ranch and I kind of disappeared and next time they saw me I was up on stage. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! A, what a, a precocious young lady, yeah. Apparently precocious. so. Poor Murphy. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh jeez. Well, I'm sure he loved that. Um, so how did how did they? Because I know you've been close to the Murphy family. Uh, Sarah is one of your close, close friends. So how did the relationship with the Murphys continue to grow from that? Well, um, I guess, Michael, I would have just met the girls, I think, the next summer after that, and Michael just kind of extended the invitation to come sing with him anytime. And um, I think he, he, I think it was Red River, New Mexico, and he had West Fest. That's where I first met the girls, actually. And he just was so excited for me to meet them and thought we would hit it off and I mean we definitely did we spent a few summers in Red River again um, trail riding and just hanging out and so Sarah and I still talk today and we take our our occasional road trip when we're both in the same state which is kind of rare these days but right (laughs) we do what we can right well that is cool as a matter of fact if I'm, I'm trying to remember that show from 2014 it seems like there was a song that you wrote uh for Sarah, am I am I imagining that? Was that like no? You're very or right about that. Yeah, she's graduating from high school, and I mean we've she's I mean she is my best friend, and when she graduated, I wanted to give her a meaningful gift, and I it took me a while, and then I finally realized that I had some pretty cool stories, so I put it in a song, and it's called Always a Road. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that one to to share today, but it was I remember that song from. Uh, you know, when when you tell people that old folks forget things, my memory is fairly good still. So, you know, I can <laughs> remember that conversation. Well, that's quite impressive. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, besides Michael Martin Murphy, uh, who have been some of your other musical influences? Oh, I don't know. As far as people I'm getting to meet, um, I've been pretty lucky to be in the Western music circuit and meet most of the performers there, like um, Dave Stamey is probably one of my favorite people in the music mm-hmm. business. He's just so down to earth, so kind, and um, I've learned an awful lot from Junie Fisher as well, as yeah. far as just being humble and a great writer and a storyteller. 
So as far as people I know, they're probably some of my favorites. Waddy Mitchell is a very good friend of mine, and he never fails to make me laugh a little bit. But <laughs> um, as far as people that I've never met, I mean, I've always loved um, the musical works of John Denver. He's probably my one of my all-time favorite songwriters. So right. as far as somebody that I look to and for inspiration and how to put together, he'd probably be my choice. Yeah, well, those are some pretty good influences that you just named there. So uh, uh, all of them are great writers and great storytellers and uh, uh, just really, really fine people, really fine people. So that is cool. Oh, and I think that's important. I just, I don't know, I'm a, I am love a good story. So that's kind of what I look for when I'm looking for music. Well, that's great. Bobby, I could hear you thinking. You have oh. a question? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, you were hitting on, um, of course, some of the questions that are near and dear to my heart. We love to know what inspires songwriter. I love that your favorite book is a book about songwriting. I think that is, um, you know, sort of tells us where your where your heart is and what you think about all the time. The um, You do write, you do say that what you write about, you know, are the things you know about and... Um, Tell us, is there a, a, anything new, a new project that you're that you're working on now? Yeah, um, I've, I did my national project last year, and I loved it so much that I wanted to go back and do another one. And I believe I'll be going in late August, and so it'll be a whole new album of original music. And I'm kind of trying to go write some different stuff. Um, obviously, I want to keep with my same mountain theme and Colorado theme, but I think I've come up with some pretty cool new songs and um, a lot of them I guess would be more along the theme of that you know everything's going to work out eventually I'm 24 now and single and um, kind of trying to work my way through this world and so I'm just kind of trying to write some songs for people that are in my same situation and saying you know it's going to be okay sometimes things just go a little slower and that doesn't make it wrong it's just you know good things come in time that's true. That is true. Uh, you, here's a warning for you. When you come back to Nashville in August, it won't feel like Colorado. Oh, yeah. Yeah. August <laughs> is one of our hottest, stickiest months of the year. So just you, you've been warned. You've been warned. Oh, yeah. We want to get to another. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. It's all right. There's air conditioning. So, you know. It works. But uh, there's another song we want to get to from the uh, CD Miles Per Hour, and this is one called Flowing Away. Can you tell us a little bit about this song? Well, this song in particular, this is what's really funny. This is my dad's favorite song on the whole album. And when I went out there, that's what he told me. He didn't, he didn't really care what else I recorded, but this song under no way could it not go on this project. So, And I, I asked him why, and he kind of told me, or I guess he didn't really tell me so much, but his face kind of told me that he didn't really like the guy that I wrote it about. And I guess it's a good thing because it's, it's kind of a breakup song. And so I guess, you know, lesson learned. And after that, he let me get a dog. So it worked out in my favor. But so it's just about, I mean, I guess it's one of those heartache songs, but it's kind of more or less a bit, you know, how you got to appreciate what you have at the time and sometimes things move on in life and that's okay as well and um yeah i don't know i, I don't really know what else to say about that all right well, i wrote it on the arkansas ahead. river just kind of hanging out and it's probably one of my favorite songs favorite places to write 
All right, well, let's listen to this one. It's called Flowing Away, and it is from the CD, Miles Per Hour, and we're talking with Corinne Marie on the Campfire Cafe. Sure. 
Um, it was kind of a random, I don't know, opportunity for me. I usually don't do competition. I'm, I don't know why. Just, it's not really my go-to thing. But my little brother was on the baseball team, and the, his coach just happened to be the manager of the local radio station. And so they, we were all really good friends, and so they convinced me just to give it a shot. And so they held it out just at a local um, cantina. And so I won, obviously, the local level and went to, I guess it was the Southwest Regional Finals, or I guess the State Finals in Olathe, Colorado, where Winona Judd was the star that night. And so um, it was kind of just overall a cool experience because I made my way through this competition as a solo female performer. And so when I got to the Southwest Regional Finals, they were held in Acoma, New Mexico. Um, I kind of told myself that I probably wasn't going on because it's, there's a lot of great bands and a lot of great songs coming out, and I just, I don't know, I guess it was just kind of my own little pep talk that it was going to be all right. And so when I won the Southwest region um, and won my trip to Nashville, it was pretty, it was pretty incredible experience. And so I was one of five finalists out of 60,000 contestants that got to go. Oh, wow. And so they, wow. they pay for your trip to Nashville, and they give you a room, and, I mean, you basically get treated like a star for a few days. And it was just, it was incredible. I was absolutely blown away that, they'd given me this opportunity and my family came out and supported me there. And so I've never, I don't think I've ever had much hairspray in my hair. I've never had that much makeup <laughs> on my face. But it was a little, a little overwhelming, but I mean, they just were absolutely incredible. And the whole experience playing at the Ryman auditorium was absolutely unreal. It's probably, probably one of my favorite moments as far as being a musical artist, getting to stand on that stage and sing my songs and, and then watching it um, get aired on television was pretty incredible. And my favorite, I guess, memory from that is, I guess, the Texaco producers get a hold of your family if you're part of the show, and they ask for baby pictures and <laughs> basically oh. anything <laughs> to embarrass us. And so I didn't know about this until it aired. And here I am Sunday afternoon sitting on the couch with my parents, and there's baby pictures coming up on national television. And <laughs> I was not expecting that. So there was my television debut. Oh, that was too well, cool. I we was posted. watching the YouTube video of, it, a video of it last night, and of course Leanne Rhymes introduces you, and you just look so totally comfortable. And and I thought, well, she's been performing for a while. I mean, I know this was a few years ago, but you had been performing for a while. You've been performing with Murph and such. And and yet I looked at that, thought about being on that stage and how many thousands were in the auditorium, let alone who would be watching, you know, on TV and all. And I thought, wow, she just looks like, yep, this is where I belong. This is my well, place. Somehow I hit that because I've never been more nervous. Well, you did. I kind of kept, I kept everything calm and cool until I got on stage, and all of a sudden my legs started shaking and <laughs> really hot. I didn't know. I was like, oh my goodness, this is actually happening. Oh uh, gosh, it was pretty incredible. Well, you'd never, you'd never know it. That's the sign, I think, of a real uh, pro <laughs> is, um, is that you just, you just go on, and you know, it's a delightful performance. It's wonderful. Yeah, oh, I've so actually kind. posted I've posted that to our website. It's on the homepage of the website. People can go check that out, that performance. And one of the things that impressed me was the fact that they ask questions. You know, it's always, it seems like a challenge when they ask uh, a contestant questions. And you were so smooth and so 
uh, uh, <laughs> right on with your answers. I mean, you were just, as Bobby said, like you've been doing it forever, like you've been doing it forever. So go visit <laughs> the website so <laughs> at equestrianlegacy.net, and you can see about, uh, I think it was six or seven minutes of that competition that we've got posted on there. And uh, we're going to go to another song real quick. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this was a song that you performed uh, this one is called Through the Fire. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's the song that I went to Nashville with. So that's the song yeah. you'll hear on the Texaco Country Showdown. That's right, that's right. Well, let's listen to it. It's uh, from the CD Miles Per Hour, and we're going to come back and talk more with Corinne when we return on the Campfire Cafe heard around the world at equestrianlegacy.net. Go when you're gonna go higher Oh, how to 
the CD is Miles Per Hour. And uh, was the uh, Texaco Country Showdown your first trip to Nashville? Oh, I think that I might have been there one trip before. I was trying to figure that out the other day. I've only been to Nashville a handful of times. Yeah? So yeah. That was my first trip seeing somebody. <laughs> Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh! Well, Bobby was—you uh, had some questions, of, I think, about these music festivals. Yes, um, I know you play uh, lots of live performances. Uh, it was interesting to kind of read the list. You'd been to Santa Clarita a couple of times um, to our local festival here, the Santa Clarita Cowboy Festival, back in the mid-2000s, and it was so fun to meet you just this past April when you opened for the Quaby Sisters. It was really fun to meet you there. By the way, Carol Rock, who emceed uh, Heart Hall, where you performed, send you a big hug and a howdy. <laughs> oh. Well, kind. That was such a fun festival this year. So, so many great people, and it was great to visit and catch up and obviously meet some new people. Yeah, yeah, because you hadn't, it looked like maybe you hadn't been in a while. Um, yeah, I think the last time I was there was my brother's. Are there some others that you enjoy, and, and can we catch you this summer at anything? Oh, I'm, I mainly work this summer. I'm right here at home. I work at a guest ranch called Elk Mountain Ranch, which is a, a dude ranch um, right in the heart of the Rockies, and so it's really close to home, and it's a fantastic location. So I play there every Wednesday night. Um, and then I've kind of got some scattered gigs here and there, mostly private parties. But I'm hoping to come back to Heber City, Utah. I don't know if you've ever been to that Cowboy Festival, but they put on a fantastic event, usually late October, early November. Uh, I played there last mm-hmm. year. It's one of my favorite shows. And then I usually make my way down to the Bitter Creek Tuck Wagons with, with Michael Martin Murphy in Red River, New Mexico. So I kind of play locally more in the summers kind of hard to spend summers away from here if you've ever been to my hometown you'll understand it's got um i think there's 54 14ers here and whitewater rafting and just endless hikes and beautiful views wow what 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 do you what do you what are your hobbies what is it that you enjoy doing when you're not writing or performing (laughs) well um kind of depends on the time of year but i still have three horses that i ride I love to do some trail rides out here. Um, mm-hmm. And then I actually climb 14ers most of my summer, which is quite a thrill, which is what um, Mountains to Climb was written about, my first experience climbing Mount Princeton. Oh, wow. So I kind of just like to dabble in anything outdoors usually. I've got a couple well, dogs that are my hiking partners, so right, we enjoy right. our summers together. Well, now I can do the trail rides and I could do the hiking with the dogs, but the the mountain climbing, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> not 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 for this boy, not for this boy. So you know, it's it's kind of worth it. Some of them you can drive halfway up and park, so it's not a crazy long hike. But I can tell you, at thirteen thousand feet, there's not a lot of air. <laughs> well, you'll just have to tell me. I'm not going to find out. So that's. Oh, I'll send you some pictures. How about that? Send, send me some pictures. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, setup for the guest ranch and and the venue where you perform on Wednesdays. And uh, folks that maybe are in the area, um, where exactly is Buena Vista? 
what part of the state? Uh, we are centrally located. So we're about two and a half hours south of Denver. We're quite literally right in the middle of the state. And so it's pretty, it's a good few hours from any airport, but it's a beautiful drive from anywhere. And this guest ranch is located um, just, let's see, I guess it would be just north of Buena Vista, about 20 miles on a dirt road. So it's pretty a pretty um, great experience. There's no cell service. There's no power. They run the ranch completely on a generator. So I mean, oh, wow. you really get the mountain experience. And they, they always hire great staff. And they do a little bit of square dancing. And then, I, as I mentioned, I play every Wednesday. And so it's a week-long visit. And you get to do great activities such as horseback ride through the mountains. And they do a whitewater rafting trip. And all sorts of just, I mean, if you really want the mountain experience, this is the place to come. And so it's called Elk Mountain Ranch. And they get to hear you perform on Wednesdays, which has to be one of the yeah. highlights on there. So well, I'm watching our relaxed evening. Yeah, I'm watching our time, and there's more music that I want to get in um, <laughs> real quickly. There's, there's, uh, and I, and one of my favorite ones, you know, your dad's got his favorite. I've got one that's my favorite so far. Uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. But uh, the next one that we're going to do is called Things You Do. And uh, any backstory you want to share about this one? <laughs> okay, well, I'll make it quick. But I actually wrote that song after having a conversation with my younger brother about girls. And so this conversation mm. basically led to us not understanding the opposite sex and how <laughs> the whole concept was just confusing. And so basically we left our conversation that, that we're basically never going to understand one another, and it's probably better for our mental health if that's the case. And sometimes <laughs> you just got to, you know, keep trying. And not always, or we're not always going to understand the things other people do, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, well, I'd like to have been a fly on the wall during that conversation, but <laughs> just listen to Things You Do by Corinne Marie, and you're listening to the Campfire Cafe. Gently and kissed me tenderly. When 
Exactly those experiences you just keep showing us that uh, again, singing that to us again and again. So you're on your way back to Nashville. What's taking you back to Nashville? Oh, just uh, going back in August. Is that right? Yeah. Um, The guys that I work with are excited and they really want me to do another project. And I think there's some opportunities waiting for me. And you can't, you know, find out what those are unless you go. So. Are so you going to spend music some and network? Yeah, you going to spend some time in Nashville? You ever you ever consider uh, moving to Nashville? You know, I, it's kind of been on my mind here lately, and my idea is at the moment I think I'll come back in September, maybe when it's a little cooler, and <laughs> see if I can stay for a few months, and you know, kind of see what the whole Nashville scene's all about, and see what I can do. I'd love to, you know, get a job playing with somebody or. Get you know get some kind of writing deal or even just be around some talented musicians. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you've got a friend, Sean Richardson, that moved to Nashville not uh, not too long ago. Yeah, and he, it sounds like he's doing fantastic. I talked to him just the other day, and he's on the road with Vincent and Daly now. Right. He used to play for Michael Martin Murphy, and that's how I met Sean. And he's just unbelie- unbelievably talented. So I'm really proud of him. Well, he is a neat young man, and uh, uh, he will he will do very very well uh, here in Nashville, and I think you probably will too. So you'll have a good time uh, meeting some folks and playing some of the venues that are down here, and and uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to actually meet you. That would be kind of a cool. Oh, thing. that'd be great! I'll yeah, let that, you know when I'm in town. And well, please do, please do. Well, let's tell folks where they can find your music. Okay, well, um, anything that's, I guess, not miles per hour is available off my website, which is com, And then my new album, Miles Per Hour, is available on my website as well, but also on iTunes, CD Baby, and Spotify. All right, so all of the normal sources you can get Miles Per Hour is a great CD, and uh, and great music with the other CDs as well. Um, one I didn't get to, you do a great job with the classic coyotes and so many more that are on that one. And so folks can visit that website and do that. And you have a Facebook page as well. Yes. Everything on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can just follow me at Corinne Marie music. 
All right. All right. Well, I encourage folks to do that and be sure and pick up the CD miles per hour. And uh, if you're out in the Colorado Buena Vista area, anywhere close, leave the cell phones behind because they don't work, but you'll have a great time visiting <laughs> with her. And, uh, and then for folks that are back here in the Nashville area, be sure to look for her uh, somewhere in September where it's a little bit cooler. You've been a great guest and uh, we're going to, we're going to, kind of wrap up this segment with this uh, this song I really like. I don't, I don't know why it just hit me, but it's called Back in the Day. Can you tell us something about this one? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you said that. That's my favorite song on the, the whole album. Um, I wrote that song in Red River, New Mexico. I was there for two weeks just writing music, and um, I, was, I just graduated from college, and I was kind of trying to find, I guess, find myself a little bit and what I should do and make some decisions and I was talking to my dad a lot and my grandmother and some of my older friends, and most of their stories started with, back in the day, I would say, <laughs> back in the day, I tried that, and it kind of just hit me that that would be a great idea for a song, and so this is what came of that. All right, well, I'm glad it's your favorite, because it certainly is mine, and uh, you have been a great guest, so much fun to catch up with you, and let's not make it two years before we do this again. <laughs> I think we can make it happen a lot sooner. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Well, it has been fun. And we look forward to seeing you in just a few months. And uh, we're going to listen to Back in the Day. We've been talking with Corinne Marie on the Campfire Cafe. And we'll wrap things up with Bobby Jean Bell when we return. So let's take a listen to Back in the Day.
the day by Corinne Marie, and that is from the CD Miles Per Hour. And uh, Bobby, isn't she just such a sweet young lady to be visiting with? Oh, it was so delightful to meet her in April, and uh, we enjoyed her performance so much when, when we saw her live, and she talked about these wonderful songs and about, you know, what it is to be a young woman um, still single and, and, you know, kind of finding her way and really trusting that everything will be very positive outlook on life, that everything will be, you know, everything will be what will be. And uh, in the meantime, great material for her songs. <laughs> well, it is. And, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to play this earlier. And, and our next guest for Saddle Up America is not quite with us. There is a song that I wanted to get to that we didn't play. And, uh, and that's actually the title cut, Miles Per Hour. So why don't we take a quick listen to that and we'll come back again and uh, find out what's going on out west. Sound like a plan? Okay. All right, so this is called Miles Per Hour. It's the title cut from the CD by the same name, Miles Per Hour.
degrees, miles per hour. And uh, Bobby, I know it is always a great day out west. So <laughs> always, <laughs> always a great day. What's 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 coming up out west? Well, in just a few hours, we will have our June concert with a wonderful performer. Uh, by the name of Tom Hyatt, and Tom will actually join us next week on Campfire Cafe, and I know you'll be so delighted to meet Tom and enjoy his music. Tom performed as part of our series a couple of years ago. I think it was 2012, maybe, or early 2013, so we're delighted to have him back. He's just released a new um, CD project called Good Night from Texas, and um, he's just a warm, talented, wonderful guy. We really look forward to just spending some time with him tonight. If you are local and you're listening to the show, we do have some seats available. I will plug that. 661-347-9700 is our ticket hotline. You can give us a call. And if you're in 100-degree heat, the Rep Theater will be nice and cool this evening. So. <laughs> Come on out and <laughs> join us. Jim has already made the chili, and um, the house smells so wonderful. So um, that's happening tonight. Okay. And you and I have lined up a wonderful uh, roster of upcoming guests for Campfire Cafe. Yeah, so it's going to be a fun uh, uh, July and August coming up. And, uh, and again, folks, if they are interested in attending the concert tonight, they can visit your website, too. What is that? Yes, the website is um, out west and then mktg, that's short for marketing, outwestmktg.com. And right on the homepage where you land, you'll see um, a picture of Tom and you can click to take you to that information. You'll also see the, um, the uh, ads for this morning's radio show. And this Thursday night's radio show, The Writer's Block, that I'm also involved in. You can always go to our homepage for the latest in what's happening online uh, radio. All right. So a lot of exciting things happening out west. Well, Bobby, we have come to the end of the show, and uh, we're getting ready to go to Saddle Up America and visit with our next guest. So we will talk to you and uh, see you on the air next Thursday. All righty. Have a great, blessed week. All right, thanks. We look forward to talking to you next time. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And it's time for Saddle Up America. We're excited to be bringing on board our next guest. It's Mark Bolander, and we're going to be talking about the exciting activity called Mountain Trail and find out what that is and how you can involve when we come back in just a moment. We remind you that Saddle Up America is made possible by our sponsors in the general store, where you'll find everything for the horse lover and folks that just love the Western and equestrian lifestyle by our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches for the finest riding destinations in North America. Be sure and visit our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches and by our select equestrian properties. If you're looking for a home on the range or a new horse property, be sure and visit those fine sponsors, and they'll be able to help you out wherever you are. So when we come back, we're going to be talking with Mark Bolander. You're listening to Equestrian Legacy Radio's Saddle Up America, heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net. Ah. 
I'm back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly jimson weed I'm back in the saddle again Riding the range once more Toting my old 44 Where you sleep out every night And the only law is right Back in the saddle again Whoopee-tie-I-O Rocking to and fro Back in the saddle again Whoopee-tie-I-A I go my way Back in the saddle again Back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed On the lowly jimson weed I'm back in the saddle again Riding the reins once more Toting my old 44 Where you sleep out every night And the only law is right Back in the saddle again Whoopee-tie-I-O Rocking to and fro Back in the saddle again Whoopee-tie-I-A I go my way Back in the saddle again well, our next guest is Mark Bolander, and he is the owner of Bolander Horse Park in Silver Creek, Washington. And uh, Mark and his wife, Lee, have become uh, some more of my long-distance friends. We met each other for the first time a couple of years ago uh, through an event that we put on uh there in Washington, and just some of the nicest folks. And, uh, and I do want to mention that our co-host today... Uh, is not able to be with us. Mary Maroney is one of the finest realtors in Colorado, and they are covering her up with work, so I know she's going to be listening to the show later. And Mark, she said to tell you that she so regrets not being able to be on the show because she's been a big fan of what you do for a long time. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, let's 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 start out uh talking just a little bit about what Mountain Trail is. Well, Mountain Trail basically is a new discipline that showcases the perfect mountain trail horse. (laughs) It kind of goes form to function. It should be a horse that can cover 10 to 25 miles an hour or uh, miles in a day in a safe manner. 
and address virtually any obstacle it comes across without panicking and take care of the rider and, and build a partnership. And so the mountain trail, the discipline itself has evolved and we've refined it. So it now has an official association with a official set of rules for people to be judged by. And we see it growing across the globe. It's kind of exciting. It's very exciting. And so the horses here at Bolander Horse Park, I'm actually sitting here watching five horses being worked. Uh, Westphalian, warm blood, a Hanoverian, 17-3 hand Hanoverian, and an Arab and a little quarter horse uh, in, in an appendix. And so yeah. this discipline is not just dependent on one breed. It's not neither English or Western. It's just good horsemanship. Yeah, so when people say just a trail horse, there's a whole lot more to our horses than just a trail horse. <laughs> there's a lot more than just a trail horse. And when people come to me and they say, well, I don't need all that. I just trail ride. And I said, well, ironically enough, if you just trail ride, you need a horse that's better trained than a show horse because when you get hurt or something happens, you're miles from nowhere, so you need a horse that can address anything. And sad to say, one of the big... Uh, ER room visits on the weekend is weekend riders for recreational riders on trail horses. So, no, just a trail horse is not just a trail horse. A trail horse here can, you know, walk across the swinging bridge, can do a 180 or a 360 on a swinging bridge, walk across the balance beam, or drop down a 13-foot wall into the wall. Mark, you're kind of fading in and out on us. I don't know if the phone is moving around or... uh... Maybe you can position no, that just I, a little I bit have, better. I have full bars. I'm, it says I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, you sound good right now. Let me ask a question. How did you get involved in the sport of mountain trail? I first saw it in Eugene, Oregon, at the Oregon Horse Center, where it all started in, I think, 2001. But uh-huh. it was just kind of a fun show. It was not a discipline. It was held once a year, and then it went to twice a year, and now it's back to once a year. Um, and there was great you know, enthusiasm for it. But is in anything, as it evolves, people expect the rules and the judging to evolve with it. And it didn't. And then my wife and I, six years ago, decided to make it into a discipline globally. And that's when we started out with a plan, and the plan including writing for magazines, building these courses around the globe, uh, training horses, we're here training every day, and then holding clinics throughout the globe, and then build the association, IMTCA, or International Mount Trail Challenge Association, and now we have IMTCA, uh, the umbrella here in the U.S., we have IMTCA Canada, IMTCA Germany, IMTCA Italy, and ironically enough, today in Rome, with some of the best riders, IMTCA was demonstrated on TV. Uh, wow. We also will shortly be going to Australia and starting IMTCA in Australia. So we see it growing uh, across the board, and right after Australia, I think we go up to Beijing, and we, we may start IMTCA China. Uh, so oh, wow. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see the growth. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about... Uh, uh, what people can see in a mountain trail competition? Well, on the mountain trail competition, uh, actually, I think in November or December you'll get to see it because we're filming for Equestrian Nation on July 30th, 
in um, Evergreen, Colorado, where we have a trail course uh, right outside of Denver. And uh-huh. you are going to see horses. Uh, there's three levels to the association. You have level one, which everything happens at a walk. Level two is much more challenging. Then you are often trotting or gating between obstacles. And it's one thing to walk up to a swinging bridge or a rolling bridge and step onto it and walk. It's a whole other thing to trot up to it and then step on centered in one horse length and everything's fine. And then the third level, they're cantering. They'll be cantering through water and cantering up to the obstacles. So the transitions become very critical. And we just held our November. We had Italian nationals at the Expo in Verona, 170,000 people there, along with the World Cup. And we had a whole mountain trail course set up in one of the pavilions, which was attended and observed by tens of thousands of people per day. And they were watching people, you know, canter, change leads, canter up to the top of the hill, break, uh, transition, and step down a three-foot step down without breaking stride. And it was truly amazing to watch how far Italy has come in the four years since we have taken Mountain Trail there. And the trainers have taken it very serious. So you're going to see great horsemanship. You're going to see horses canter up to a swinging bridge, step onto it, and then maybe do a 360. I did a little demonstration of what we call Gambler's Choice. It's a class in Mountain Trail where a person has two minutes to demonstrate as many skills as they can to the judge. And that little video has gone over half a million views in just a little over a week that we did right here at Bolander Horse Park. And so it's an exciting spectator sport that requires great horsemanship. Oh, wow. 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 Well, we want to find out a little bit more about the sport. We're going to take a real quick break and uh, come back and talk more about how this is how it's grown worldwide and uh, and a little bit more about how people can get involved when we come back and talk with mo- more with Mark in just a moment. You're listening to Saddle Up America on Equestrian Legacy Radio, heard around the world, even in Italy, at equestrianlegacy.net. Going to 
that's Marianne Kennedy's horsing around, and uh, apparently there are people all over the globe that are horsing around now with Mountain Trail. And uh, uh, Mark, what's the what's the reason that Mountain Trail has become so popular in such a short period of time? Well, we believe there are a number of reasons with our research. Number one, there's been a lot of things a lot of activities for people on trail riding and whatnot, poker rides, asking a bunch of other stuff that's fun, but it hasn't really led to anywhere as far as a discipline. So those groups are great. We support them all. We think it's great. And then our horse population, the riders, um, for better or for worse, they're aging. And there's a lot of people that may no longer want to go over a two-meter jump but they right. want to still present their horse. Uh, they enjoy the social aspects of a competition or a show, and they like they like you know showing their partnership. And so I think the time is everything just kind of came together at the right time in the horse world, and people were looking for something that actually had uh, a set of judging criteria. That was part of it. So there was a number of factors that just seemed to evolve. And it, it, this sport is kind of a combination between three-day eventing and dressage. I need a bold, confident horse, but I need a very precise horse. And it seems like any horse can actually compete at Mountain Trail. And people like that at the various levels. Um, and so it was just kind of the right place at the right time. You know, they've struggled with some of the show numbers. People are looking for a little more than just a circle and a show ring. And this right. year allows them to showcase, you know, that they can indeed, uh, you know, canter through water. Or they, can, you know, since it's neither English or Western, it's really kind of ironic. I got tired of saying on the mic, canter your horse or lope your horse. So now I just say cantaloupe your horse. <laughs> so, you know, if they cantaloupe through the water on their horse, they can't do that at a show. And at a show, they can't drop down a wall, what we call a big drop into water or something. So it's really fun for people to do something different. And the skill that it takes to walk up onto a 42-inch box and do a perfect 360 actually takes a lot of skill. And yet it's not a big dangerous thing. So if a horse is, let's say, recovering from an injury and they don't want to put it back in the jumping arena, or into the reigning arena, it can still learn to do a lot of this stuff because it's low impact. And people like a good horse with a great mind. They don't want to just turn it out to pasture or right. throw it away. And so it gives a whole other avenue for that horse also. Uh, we work with a couple barns. One of them, they have world-class Western pleasure horses. But if they don't make it in Western pleasure they don't have that right movement that the judges are looking for, something like this. Um, then, if they got a great mind, we can turn them into just an amazing mountain trail horse, and people love that. Well, I know people are always looking for more ways to connect and, and do things with their horses, and um, uh, mountain trail looks like an excellent way to do that. How long does it take, Mark, to... Uh, you were talking about the different levels that uh, there are available in the mountain trail. How long does it take for a person with their horse to kind of progress through the different levels? 
It it kind of depends on the person and the horse and their goals. Um, if we have a horse, let's say, that comes in for training, within 60 days, that horse is going to be able to walk and trot um, through the course. It'll be able to trot up to the balance beams, uh, walk across. It'll be able to trot up to a teeter-totter and do a 360 and back off, or a 180 and back off. Uh, they might not be cantering through the different obstacles at that time, but they're mm-hmm. going to be doing almost everything at a trot. And every horse is different, just like every person learns a little different. Uh, for instance, yesterday I put on Facebook um, Calypso, a little nine-year-old Arab that had never seen an obstacle in his life, and it took me under two minutes to teach him how to walk across the swinging bridge. Now, oh, wow. he struggled with the balance beam a little bit, but the swinging bridge seemed to be very quick for him. And so they're all a little different. Uh, we had a Westphalian that came in that big, big I think about 17-hand warm blood, very nice. And it took me three minutes to teach him to walk across the balance beam, which typically takes 20 minutes. So within oh, wow. 30 to 60 days, these horses can be prepared, depending on where what background they have to People can go ahead and show them, and it's a lot of fun. How how uh, how advantageous is it for someone that um, uh, has been doing a lot of trail riding it's, to come in and get started? Versus, you know, you mentioned the quarter horses that may not uh, make it in the Western Pleasure, where they may only have experienced ring work. What kind of advantage is it, or is it an advantage? It's it's a huge advantage. You know, I'm an AQHA professional horseman, and only 3% of our members actually show. Over 70% are interested in this because the vast majority of people are trail riders. They're recreational trail riders. And so if a horse learns to become bold and confident, and that's what IMTCA builds, bold and confident horses, that leads to a safe ride. And a safe ride leads to a happy person. And so getting involved in mountain trail is the best thing you've ever done for your safety. Uh, it's, it's safe, and it's good for the horse, and it makes a lot of happy people. So the advantages, uh, lower hospital bills, and just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Do, do, you see, uh, do you see as many challenges with developing confident riders as you do confident horses? You know, I tell people coming in, the horse is the easy part. I can, <laughs> I can teach a horse to walk across a seven-inch balance beam blindfolded. You know, I can do a lot of things. But I have to change people's concept and make them believe in that horse. And one route that we've gone down in our philosophy, and as far as I know, it's only one in the world from our research, is we deal a lot with the instinct of the horse in much of their life runs on instincts and they have right. instincts within instincts and we've actually learned how to trigger a bunch of instincts to the point these horses do absolutely amazing uh things so the horse is easy to teach you know wherever we go in the globe uh whatever expo that we demonstrate this in but changing the person's concept to believe in that horse sometimes is a struggle and like i tell them Instinct is a different type of intelligence than what you and I have, one that we can't even scientifically explain how it works, but we can't deny it. We can see it in the world around us. So the horse's instinct 
in its ability to read us is far superior to my ability to read it. So these trail horses that come in, we can make a bold and confident trail horse very quickly. And now I have to show the person, listen, this horse is not superior or inferior to you. It's different, but its ability to read you is far superior to your ability to read it. So just get over it and let's start working together with the horse. And it's in that, when I do that, things really come together. And it looks like you have magic. Wow, wow. And I should know this in advance, but I don't. Do you have do you have a do you have training videos available for folks to be able to purchase to uh... We we do. Yeah, we we have a number of training videos that um have been very good. Uh we just got a bunch more in actually. Uh two boxes went and we just got 1600 more books in on Bolander's Guide to Mastering Mountain Trail, which has been you can buy it at Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com, or you can order it directly from us, which we would prefer here at Boulder Horse Park, or just email us. But yeah, that will help you get started, and if we can show people how you can get a lot more with a lot less, and how Mountain Trail just changes these horses for the good, that's exciting for us. Yeah. We do have have the videos. Well, I know that people, uh, that's helpful for folks, because they like to be able to work with uh, with their horses uh, on their own and be able to learn. So it's great that you have that available to folks. Um, I'm going to take another quick break, and uh, I want to come back and talk more with you, Mark, about Bolander Horse Park and uh, what your facility is like and what's available to folks there. And uh, and I also want to talk a little bit about your course design work and uh, and how you're available for that. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk more with Mark Bolander. And I just ho- heard a horse snicker, so he's right there with the horses while he's visiting with us today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll be back. You're listening to Saddle Up America on Equestrian Legacy Radio. His eyes was a fiery red Good men have tried this horse to ride But all of them are dead Now I won't brag but a rogue is snaggled His blood began to boil And then I hit the ground and I ate three pounds Of good old western soil Singing hi-ho, whoopie-tie-ho Ride em high and down you go Sons of the western soil Sons of the western soil I'd break his neck for the jolt he gave my pride Threw my noose on that old cayuse and once more took a ride Turned around and soon have found his tail where his head should be For his head was I, perhaps he's shy or he just don't care for me Singing hi-ho, whoopie tie ho ride him high and down you go Sons of the western soil, sons of the western soil Counterfeit dollar I sold that nag to him 
But when he plants, see the fish plants on Skyball's leather chair. I bet four bits when Skyball puts old Jim on the there. Singing hi-ho, hope you die, oh, ride him high and down you go. Sons of the Western Sword, sons of the Western Sword. Skyball Paint, and we're talking with Mark Bolander today on Saddle of America. And uh, Mark, talk to us a little bit about Bolander Horse Park and uh, what it is that you do there and what's available for folks. What we do here is we obviously train for mountain trail. And we start with a lot of groundwork, a lot of arena work before we prepare them to start addressing the obstacles. It's a place where People come literally from all over the world. Uh, I'm looking at one of the interns right now from Italy. We just had one go back to Italy and one back to Germany. Uh, so they come from all over. We're trying to build this. And then people come in for ladies' nights. My, wi- my wife started that, and I thought she was crazy. She was not crazy. They come in droves. <laughs> uh, people come for lessons. Uh, we have facilities here. People just stay right on site. It makes it very nice and convenient. For them, especially we have someone that's expected in here Friday from Colorado, and they bring their own live-in trailer, so they'll stay, you know, plugged in and fit right in. And we have a place where people can cook and eat and shower and everything like that. It's uh, you can see on the website Bolander Horse Park. It's it's a place that you can come, um, put your feet up, kick back, and I I like neat and clean. I love my grass mode. I love my landscaping trimmed. Um, we've accommodated up, crowds up to actually 300. Uh, wow. Sunday we'll have six, 64 people here. Uh, so it's a lot of fun for people. Um, it's a place where dreams come true and time stands still, and that's our logo. And that, well, that's our big focus. Well, and you, and you, you conduct clinics there as well, I'm sure. Clinics never stop here or never stop somewhere around the globe. Okay. All right. That's great. That we'll is great. Often, we'll often fly out uh, uh, late, and then we will fly in late, and so we miss very little training. And even when we're gone, the training goes on. You know, we've got some great riders here. Uh, we just got some, some great people, and that makes it very nice. That It never stops. It never stops. Do you do you have uh, do you have trained horses available for sale? We do have train. We always have trained horses available for sale. We just shipped one to New Mexico. Uh, we have another one that uh, may go to New Mexico. We're waiting to hear. Um, we have uh, another little mare that actually we um, loaned out to a therapeutic riding school, which we're involved with. Uh, she's doing. Fine. She's just as fun as can be, a little sassy thing. And then we have another great big warm blood that we loaned to the same therapy riding school. Uh, we're involved in the vet, veterans that are coming back uh, that have had some issues and uh, working through, and that's, that's what our desire is, and that we're part of that. So yeah, there's always horses that my wife has ready for people to use or to sell. 
or if they come fly in from some other country that they can write. Well, that's great. That is great. Well, now let's tell folks exactly where you are located there in Washington. I We are located exactly halfway between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. If you draw a line between those two cities, halfway in between, in Silver Creek on Lake Mayfield, that's where Bollinger Horse Park is located. It's really convenient, too. It's only an hour and a half from Portland Airport, so most people domestically fly into there, and then we have some people flying in from Italy. They fly into Seattle because, for the most part, the 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 out-of-the-country flights are cheaper for some reason coming into Seattle. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about your course design work. You were talking about how you like things neat and clean. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, your, your courses, not only are they, they're, they're, they're different. Uh, they have the challenges, but they're also very aesthetically pleasing. And, uh, talk a little bit about how you, de- how you design a course for a particular area. You mentioned, uh, uh, a location in Colorado was it Evergreen that there's going to be doing right. some filming coming Colorado. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I was actually saw on your website some of the. Uh, it seems like it was the construction in progress uh, photos that were placed there. Yeah, we we put up some uh, construction in progress, and then there's some finished photos, etc. Um, what we what I sell is what I call functional art. Um, I like it pretty. If you build a beautiful home overlooking this trail course, I want it to be part of your landscaping. Um, I love golfing. I love the beauty of the golf course. Um, and where I'm sitting right now watching people ride, and I'm looking at a landscape facility. And mm-hmm. clean and neat and landscape does not cost a lot of money. Now, each course I build and design is actually built to the site. Uh, One I built up in Canada. When I started, uh, we had an idea, and then I looked up and I realized I had mountains climbing up 8,000 feet right in front of my face with snow caps on them. So I opened it up and changed my whole site. Um, So each course I build, I look for the maximum effect for the beauty. And then we have 17 items which we need to address on every course that I design. And one of them is safety. You know, where do I get emergency vehicles in? Uh, where are the best photographs going to be taken? You know, how do I disguise, disguise everything to get to make it look like this has always been there, even though everyone mm-hmm. knows it has not always been there. They want to believe in their mind there's always been there. Uh, and so it should look beautiful. On the other hand, it's got to be constructed to take the abuse of what a horse can give it. For instance, we have over a thousand horses a year go through just our horse park. And horses are tough on obstacles, and so everything has to be designed for safety, which is critical. It has to be designed, so I have three levels involved. I don't want to intimidate or scare the beginner. And yet, Olympic rider that has a fantastic seat, I want to be able to challenge that rider and that horse in a safe manner. And so when we construct these and design these courses, and also when we landscape them, we want them to be landscaped with a local fauna. In other words, right. I don't want palm trees up in northern Canada. I don't want. Um, I want it to look like it's naturally to the site down in uh, New Mexico, on the Rio Grande. 
uh, we use the native stuff. And so when you look at those photographs on the website, it looks like this has always been here. Even though everyone knows it has not, they still want to believe that. And I want to believe that. I like pretty. And right. I like functional. And so then we always need to know where will people sit? Uh, where will the judges be? How many classes can we run simultaneous on this course for the challenges or the shows? And I design them so I can run minimum two shows or two classes at once. And some of the bigger ones I design so I can show four classes simultaneous. And because it's a spectator sport, and people really like to see that. Right, right, right. Well, it's something that they can be engaged in. It's not going to be something that um, certainly not boring to watch. Uh, no, it's when, not. When these courses are going on, and um, Mark, are there certain uh, obstacles or challenges that that are in every course that you design? Right, every course we have six mandatory uh, obstacles, and you know that's outlined in IMCCA that we want to see. Uh, and then if we certify the course that I haven't built, it's got to meet safety requirements. And we just certified two of them up in Canada, up in Toronto, uh, Canada. We met with the uh, IMTCA board Canada and with uh, our judges up there because each challenge or show must have certified judges. Uh, and that way everyone knows that the criteria is the same. We just had a challenge down in Oregon. Uh, stayed here, I don't know, a month or a month and a half ago, and one of the judges was from Italy. And so I have 51 judges in Italy. Some of them are AQHA judges. So I know my judging standards globally are the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's what we're really looking for. So, yeah, on the trail courses, I have certain obstacles that are mandatory. And then all the judging requirements, how those trail obstacles are navigated – are the same globally. And I think that's really fun for people. Uh, we had some Americans go over and show at the Expo in Verona, Italy in November. And that was a real eye-opener to them because a lot of them thought, man, we are really getting good here. And they went over there, and much to their amazement, those trainers in Italy for four years have taken this extremely serious, and they were amazing, amazing riders. One of the obstacles in the open, they had to walk across a 30-foot, 18-inch wide balance beam, step up 18 inches with no steps. At the end of it, they had to step off, do a 90-degree turn on a 42-inch box. Over 50% of them made it flawless. And by the wow. way, they had, to can they had to canter up to that balance beam and step on. And so the horsemanship over there is amazing. But these Americans that went over there, and we have some I think they are going over this November, there they they realize or they, when they go over there they know certain obstacles are standard and the specifications are the same because we have all the blueprints they're all drawn up so they can meet international standards and over in europe your obstacles and everything they must be certified uh, you just can't show up with an obstacle in an expo you have to have engineering and everything done and so safety is a huge concern. When we viewed some of the trail courses over in Europe, uh, they've had a few issues. Uh, and so safety, safety. We have never had an obstacle fail because we understand how they have to be constructed in order to survive, you know, a thousand horses a year per se. 
So safety, right. safety. But if you travel around the globe, you always know the teeter-totter is going to be the same way. You know it will be the same length. You know that swinging bridge will be the same. You know the rolling bridge will be the same. You know the balance beams will be the same width. And so all these things are pretty much the same. And that gives people comfort uh, that when they challenge. Obviously, each course will be unique because logs are unique. Rocks are unique. The layout will be unique for each course because they're built to the site. Right, right. Do you, uh, do you have regional shows or competitions, or uh, uh, do you have a world show? We do not have a world show yet. We foresee that coming. Um, we are actually working with um, two outfits in Colorado, and one of them we're hoping we may end up doing it at the Denver Stock Show. They're in Denver. Oh, wow. Uh, they're going to be rebuilding that whole facility and adding to it. And if everything goes right, we're hoping that we will be adding a permanent mountain trail course in there that can be used year-round. And I have a feeling uh, that is probably where we're going to end up with the world show for the simple reason it's fairly central to the United States. I know for the Europeans and the Canadians and the Australians, it'll be a little harder getting in. Uh, but I'm comfortable that we need a facility of world-class caliber, caliber, and if if all goes well, it will be built in Denver, and that will probably be where it's held, and that's tennis. So we'll see. Uh, well, that is exciting. Part of the, yeah, yeah, it is extremely exciting for us. Extremely exciting. Well, let's uh, let's tell folks how they can get in touch with you if they uh, want to come attend events at Bolander or see you in a clinic or uh, uh, just get involved with the uh, International Mountain Trail Challenge Association. Well, they can look at our website, bolanderhorsepark.com. It has all of our phone numbers on it. Or they can look at imtca.org. Um, That's IMTCA, International Mountain Trail Challenge Association. And they can contact us through that. Uh, And, yes, we want to see them uh, join, and we want to see the association growing, which it is. And it's hard building something from scratch. We are learning. It's humbling. uh, But it's a dream of a lifetime. And you have to remember, unless you put dreams into action, when it's all said and done, you only have dreams left. And my wife and I, by putting the dreams into actions, we're building memories. And I think we're building memories across the globe for everyone involved in this discipline. And they're fantastic memories. Well, that is that is fantastic. And you have a great partner in Lee, so you be sure and tell her I said Heidi. No, oh, I, uh, I couldn't do it without my wife. Trust me, my yeah, wife. Yeah. 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 Well, she's, uh, look. she's go-getter. She just goes, goes, goes. Well, I look forward to coming out and visiting you at Boland Horse Park and uh and maybe you catching you when you're back in uh, uh have you done anything in the uh in the Tennessee area? No, we have talked to some people. We're hoping uh we're hoping for Ohio, we're hoping for New York. We've got a uh, quite a bit in Florida. Uh what we're waiting for an invitation. Uh you know, we got one in Missouri. So we're just working our hearts out trying to march across the nation and the globe. And so anyone that would like our help or be involved, uh, we're here. We'd love to hear from them. Trust me.
All right. Well, be sure and, and get in touch with uh, BoulderHorsepark.com, I-M-T-C-A.com. Visit them on Facebook. You've got Facebook pages for all of that as well. Yeah, and, we've uh, got Facebook for everything. Uh, yeah, Facebook is, is everywhere and uh, always a good resource to go to. Mark, always a pleasure to have you on here. We'll have to not do this. It'll have to be sooner than the last time you were on. I think the last time you were on, you were at uh, in a competition, I believe, in Oregon, and uh, we're sitting on a horse at that time. So this is <laughs> more than been a little easier. More than <laughs> yeah, it, it never stops. We're, we're really blessed. And we see it growing, and it's a new discipline that's not only fun, it's good. It's good horsemanship, it good for the people. And it's, it's, our, it's humbling to be able to take it to the world. Well, we look forward to talking with you again and uh, seeing you somewhere, whether it's in Washington or somewhere else out on the road, and appreciate so much you taking the time to be with us and share with us today on Saddle Up America. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gary. Bye-bye. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a fun show. It's always great to have uh, Mark on the show or to talk with him off air. And uh, and the Campfire Cafe was a fun show today with Corinne Marie and, of course, with Bobby Jean. We look forward to having Mary Maroney back with us soon on Saddle Up America. And we always appreciate your time and your support of Equestrian Legacy Radio's programs do want to remind you to be sure and catch Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale on Equestrian Legacy Radio every Sunday morning starting at 9 o'clock. And as with all of our shows, they're archived so you can go back and listen to them at any time. We want to remind you, as always, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio heard around the world on our free mobile app and online at Equestrian Legacy. We're going to close the show out today with a great song by Mike and Doris Merritt. It's one called May the Good Lord Take a Liking to You. Thank you for listening. May the good Lord take a liking to you. May he spread his blessings on your trail. May he be your guide anywhere you ride And be always your host when you're needing him most May the good Lord take a liking to you May your prayers for comfort never fail And so someday you make a dream come true With the making you have nothing to do It's how the good Lord has taken a liking to you May the good Lord take a liking to you May he ride beside you all the way. May he be your pal in your life's corral and be part of your team when you lasso a dream. May the good Lord take a liking to ya. May your wishes never go astray. And if someday you find a love that's true with the finding you've nothing to do.
May the good Lord take a liking to ya. May He spread His blessings on your trail. May He be your guide anywhere you ride. And be always your host when you're needing Him most. May the good Lord take a liking to ya. May your prayers for comfort never fade. And to some 